Well, this is always a, a bittersweet thing for me. Today we come to an end of a series. It's bittersweet because, I, I, you know, we, well, so, so to be just, just real with you, does somebody have a pen? Is there a for me? I know, huh? That's a nice one. Do you mind if I keep that? Can I keep it? I'm going to write something down real quick here. Give me, give me just a second. I almost forgot what I was going to write down, which is the reason I'm writing it down, because I'll forget it. There we go. All right. So, so part of it is uh, we, we come to the end of a series, so, so that's, that's kind of sad, and then we're going to start a new series, um, which means that, that, uh, that all of the background stuff that I did for this one, I have to do for the next one, so, so that means a little bit more work. And, and the other one, I don't remember what the other thing is. Oh, it's, uh, that was the bitter part. The sweet part is that we get to start a new series. That apparently is way sweeter for me uh, than it is for you. It, it, anybody, anybody around here ever get distracted? You guys, anybody? It, oh, hang on a minute. I, I forgot to do something on my phone. It, it, just a second. If you have the version app, any, anybody have that? That sounds really selfish. It's not really, um, just because it says version. I'm going to events. You guys ever do that? There we are. And I'm going to hit live because we're live now. First Baptist Church. It's not streaming live. Don't, don't be deceived. It's, uh, I'm saving my notes. Not yet. There we go. I just saved my notes on the version app live. So what was I saying? Oh, does anybody ever get distracted? Has that ever happened to you? Is anybody in here easily distracted? Yeah? Anybody, does the light behind me distract you? Next week we plan on having that fixed, I'm just saying. Now the rest of you that didn't, you're not going to be able to pay attention to anything I say, are you? <laughs> um, because you're going to be distracted. Well, we live in a world, I, I know that, that for me, I, I can be fairly easily distracted. I, I was talking with a college student this last week, and, and we were talking about study because she's telling me about everything that's happening and going on. I said, you know, there's this little thing called school. That's why you're like in college. We have to remind freshmen, first, first semester, got to remind them, you know, why they're, why they're there sometimes. And so, you know, what? A, oh, yeah, yeah, I study. And, and I said, so, so, you know, how do you study? And. And so she's telling me, you know, I've got the music on, I've got Netflix going, and I've got my computer there, and I'm usually chatting with some friends, and I'm like, that is not the way I study. I have to, like, have everything quiet, there's no music, there's nothing happening, nothing going on. In fact, um, sometimes it takes me a while to get to studying, because I've got to clean my desk off, or find my desk is usually what happens, um, get the stuff out of the way. We live in a world that is full of distractions. And in fact, I was talking with some other people not long ago just about the effect uh, that, that our, our multimedia information-rich society is going to have on generations coming up. I'm reading a book called Meet Generation Z. Did you guys know? Gen Z. You know why they're calling it that? Because, no, the zombie apocalypse is not real. I'm saying... I did see, anyways, we won't, 
get distracted so easily. Did I mention that? So, so uh, Gen Z, because things are moving at such a fast pace and it's carrying over into the generations, is that it's going to be so quick that it's just going to be almost fluid after. They, they believe after this generation, Gen Z, that it will be hard to identify a group because things are just moving just so quickly that it's almost fluid. They're moving along. And Gen Z, think about this. Uh, We have a generation that has grown up carrying a high-power computer around with them. We have a generation that doesn't know anything other than all the information they want at their fingertips. Isn't yeah. most of you can go back with me just a little bit when and some of you may still have these. Anybody still have a Star Trek communicator for a phone? They call them flip phones. I would buy one if it would make that sound when I when I flick it. Do you remember that was so far into the future? That was crazy. And in Star Trek, it didn't even text. Do you remember, and, and, and Star Trek fans, any Star Trek fans in here? Any Star Trek fanatics? Because there's, there's, there's some discrepancy over how you talk to the computer on the Enterprise. Because they tap their little thing a lot of times, and other times they just say computer, but check this out. Hey Siri, what's the temperature? It's 39 degrees outside. Uh Uh-huh, isn't that cool? Hey, Siri, what's Jim Follin doing? Here's the contact info for Jim Follin. Translation, call him and ask him yourself. (laughs) So, did I mention that I get distracted easily? We live in a world that's absolutely just full of distractions. Now, maybe not to the same extent, but it wasn't a whole lot different in the first century. There were distractions there. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who's a pastor in Ephesus. And, and the Apostle Paul is, is, is reminding him, actually, the Apostle Paul knew that if Timothy wasn't careful, that he could, that makes noise, doesn't it? That he could be distracted. That, that Timothy could, could forget what he was there for. Now I know that's a whole different thing. Any of you have the hereafter disease? You walk into a room, forget what you're here after. I was going to print something out. But by the time I got to my office, I forgot what I was there for. So I didn't print that out. But there is a sign-up sheet if you want to help Thursday and Friday in the coffee area. Ten, ten people. Paul was afraid that Timothy, if he wasn't careful, that Timothy would be distracted from what God had called him to do in Ephesus. And so the Apostle Paul closes out his letter. Let's look 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. He says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things 
and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, I love it. O Timothy, whenever someone starts a sentence with O and then they say your name, they're serious. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by it, by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. So the Apostle Paul is is writing to Timothy and and, and he he knows that there's a... uh, a distinct possibility of distraction. And, and it's almost as if the Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, don't forget why you're here. I, I, know, I know that, that there are things that are coming up. He, he, he starts out by, by saying, um, flee these things. And, and really kind of what he's talking about is, is the things that he just mentioned prior that that it's easy to get distracted by things. He's talking about that there are some that for the, the love of money have just nearly shipwrecked their faith, that they, they've gone away. And so the Apostle Paul, as he begins, he says in verse 20, Timothy, actually he says, oh, Timothy, don't forget the O. Oh. Because Paul's making a point here. Oh, Timothy. It's almost as if you can hear the concern in Paul's voice, oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Timothy, don't forget. Don't, don't forget why you're here. And I think that's something that we need to be reminded of. Any of you, any of you just get so busy that, that you, you forget things? Any of you forget things when you're not busy? I just wanted to check. I want to see where I'm going. Some of you are a few steps down the road. I just look at you and see where I'm going to be. That was supposed to be funny, but maybe it hits too close to home. It's like the Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to remember the one thing. You need to remember the one thing. You wish that you had one thing to worry about, anybody? Just one thing. Wouldn't that be great? You just have one thing to worry about. There's somebody, I won't say their name, uh, but it's fun working with them because when you mess up, they say you had one job. <laughs> you had one job. And it's like the Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Don't forget the one thing. Don't forget that this life is not what it's all about. Now, that's easy to do, isn't it? We get kind of caught up. There's this thing, you know, you, you have to eat. Anybody? It, it, it's good if you have covering. The Apostle Paul 
says that. He says in, in 1 Timothy 6.8, he tells us about the necessities. He says, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But it's hard for us just to stop with the necessities, isn't it? We, we just get caught up in, in life. And, and, and I know it, there, are just, there, there are things that things we need and then there are things that we probably should have. But if we're not careful, then, then before we realize it, we get so engrossed in this life that we forget this life is not what it's all about. In fact, I, I probably was there several years ago, but I didn't realize it. Probably a good thing for me. When you get to the place that you realize that you've got more years behind you than in front of you. I just really made some of you depressed, didn't I? <laughs> now, I realized sometime back that I've been married longer than I haven't. I got married when I was 23, and I've been a little bit since I've been 46. But this life is not what it's all about. That's hard to keep remembering, isn't it? We just, there's just the stuff of life we, do, we just have to deal with. And, and when we leave from here, most of us are probably going to go eat somewhere, whether it's at home or, or we'll stop somewhere and go eat. And then you've you got to drive your car to do that. Um, I don't know, some of you, the, the young ones, let me help you out a little bit. You need to put gas in your car. I was so poor. How poor were you, Pastor Larry? Let me tell you. I was so poor in college that every time I hit a bump, Cynthia was worried we were running out of gas. My gas gauge didn't work either. And I could convince myself that a quarter of a tank would last a month. You have to put gas in your car. You've you, you got to take care. You know, you, you ought to rotate the tires. You, you need new tires occasionally. When the other ones start crumbling, it's time for new tires. Um, changing oil is good. Checking oil is even better. Um, you, you have a place to live. You have to keep up with that. I, I had a friend, uh, and this was early, early on. He got married just before we did, and he said, ownership is maintenance. And boy, was he telling the truth. Whenever you have something, you have to take care of it. Well, you don't. It breaks, and you've got to fix it. And, and it's easy for us just to get kind of caught up in the stuff of life and and I think what, what Paul is, is helping Timothy understand with some of the other things that he, that he mentioned to him, but, but something that we need to understand and remember is this life is not what it's all about. It, this is fleeting. This is short. This, is, this, is, this isn't even the pregame show. <laughs> that, that we're called here specifically for a task. This isn't. The, the end, this isn't even the beginning. So how do we stay focused on what it is that God has called us to do? How do we, how do we keep from getting distracted from this life? Now, now, I realize that I'm saying this, and we've just entered the busiest shopping season of the year. Anybody partake of... Brown Thursday, Black Friday. Thank you. You're helping me out there. Blue Saturday. I, I, I just made up something. It's called Blue Saturday. Um, you still got the trip the fan hangover from the turkey, um, but there's still a couple of good sales that you didn't get to. Uh, Harbor Freight. Uh, now I found that there's one. Was it Home Depot or Lowe's? 
Lowe's. I got to go to Lowe's now. I realize that we've just entered a really busy season. But you need to remember <laughs> this isn't all it's about. It's just, just a part. How do we stay focused on what, why we're here? Two, two things. One is you need to remember why you're here. Why are we here? Some of you are going, I don't know. That's why I came to church this morning. Why are we here? A good while back, uh, there, there was a, um, a pastor that wrote a book called Purpose Driven Church, and he talks about the five purposes of the church. Um, all of those can be done in heaven except one. Did you know that? And the one is sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world. Now, now I'm not saying that you can't do the others here. You, you glorify, worship God. We, we do that. Fellowship, we do that. By the way, if you're taking notes, that's spelled F-O-O-D. That's how you spell fellowship. Discipleship, we can learn. I don't know if you ever like thought that far ahead, but you know that you're not going to know everything when you get to heaven. You just burst some bubbles. Only God knows everything. Only God is omniscient. We'll be able to learn. We'll be able to grow. So you can do discipleship in heaven. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Hey, um, Apostle Paul. I don't know if we're calling him the apostle. Hey, Brother Paul. <laughs> um, what do you mean right here? <laughs> Actually, Skip you, Jesus. <laughs> well, what was he talking about right here? You'll be able to grow. You'll be able to learn. Uh, the only thing we can't do in heaven is share the gospel with someone who's lost. So, so if you were to ask me, what is the one thing that we have to do here? I would say it's sharing the gospel. The other way that Jesus put it in, in Matthew 28 is making disciples. The way we say it is leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the one thing. How, 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 do we, how do we make sure that we can stay focused on the one thing? Well, the first one is you've got to remember what the one thing is. I know in church we do a lot of things. This week we're going to be replacing ceiling tiles. Starting over there and working this way. So if any of you like to be messy, not make a mess. <laughs> but like to be messy we're, we're going to get to do that we, we we have bible studies we have sunday school uh we we have um fellowship we we have um uh, other groups that are happening and going on. we have a lot that's happening going on but the one thing is leading people into a life-changing relationship with jesus christ we got to remember that we, we don't ever we, we we don't need to forget that H having a great place to worship enables us to do the one thing but is not the one thing having a great bible study group where we can dig into god's word and and just do life on life together it helps us to do the one thing but that's not the one thing now now i'm gonna get to, we don't have this i don't want to get anybody excited but having a great four-man scramble that we do yearly that's golf in case you don't know um I don't know. We can do that four-man scramble. We can have breakfast. Yeah. I'll bring the bacon. You scramble the eggs. That could help us to do the one thing, but it's not the one thing. Great fellowship. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. 
That can help us do the one thing, but it's not the one thing. We've got to remember why we're here. We have to remember what the one thing is. The second is we need to remember who we serve. Paul, I love it, and, and by the way, you need to know this. Every time we go through a passage of Scripture, there's no way to bring out everything that's in that passage. Well, we could do three words at a time, but it would take a good while. But the Apostle Paul launches into this. It's almost like he just kind of got distracted himself. As he gets in here, he talks about in verse 10, actually goes up verse 13. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus. And then he launches into this whole kind of a, a just, just this praise of Jesus who in his testimony, this is Jesus, before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. And then here's the charge, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until, and he comes right back to Jesus, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, right? So he like throws that in and then launches back into Jesus, who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. We need to remember who we serve. Now, I know some of you, whom is really grammatically correct, but it sounds a little pretentious when I stand up here and say, you need to remember whom you serve. But you need to remember that we're not here for us. You know that, right? Did you know you're not here for you? Yeah? You're not here for your husband. You're not here for your wife. You're not here for your kids. You're here for me. No, I'm kidding. You're not. We are here. We serve Jesus. He's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. All authority and all power, all dominion has been given to him. You get that, right? Who's in charge? It's Jesus. Who do we serve? It should be Jesus. Man, it's easy to serve other things. It's easy to fall into that. It's easy to think that I serve me. How do I know? Because whenever I come to a decision, I say, well, what do I want to do? By the way, one of the worst pieces of advice you can get from the world is follow your heart. We change our thinking a bit, and I would say go where God guides you. You know, so, so, so be sensitive to the to God's leading, and then go in that direction. Go in the direction God points you, I tell my kids. Don't follow your heart. Your heart's deceptive. Your heart's wicked. When we talk about that kind of thing, that, that's like our flesh. And if we're not careful, then, then we'll end up trying to serve us. We'll end up trying to please somebody else. we end up serving them. We, we end up serving mammon, Jesus calls it, Things. Where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. We need to remember who we serve. We serve Jesus. There's no other king above him. There's no other Lord above him. There's no other authority. There's no other power. There's no other dominion above him. We serve him. We need to remember that. You think that'll change the way you make decisions? Think that'll change the way that you approach stuff? (laughs) Jesus... Your car is broken. <laughs> what do you want to do with it? 
You want me to fix it? Some of you are saying, Jesus, you still have wood that needs to be split. <laughs> you want me to go split that for you? Paul, Paul wants Timothy to remember, don't be distracted by things. Remember why you're here and remember who you serve. Do what, do what God has called you to do. So, so how do we do that? Paul actually tells Timothy in the beginning of this passage, he gives him three things to do. So two things to remember. Remember why you're here. Remember who you serve. And two things, I'm sorry, three things to do. And this one's fun because it alliterates. It all starts with F. The first one is flee. I love what he says in verse 11. He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What's he talking about? Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, or the love of things, we could say, is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving, this wanting more, this desire for more than what you have, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Paul's telling Timothy, Flee the stuff of the world. Those things that will draw your heart away from God, run away from that. These things that, that don't satisfy, but, but only create a, a desire for more. And we talked about Chinese food. Don't flee that, just get two servings once you buy. But Paul's saying, those things that will pull you away, those things that distract you, all the stuff of the world... Run away from those. Flee. I don't know. It, I've said this before. I don't know if you remember. But, but there's, there's one way that Scripture gives us to deal with temptation. And it's not to stand there and fight it. It's to flee. Timothy, get away from those things. Run away from those things. But you can't stop there. Because you're always going to follow something. So he says, Timothy, you flee from those things, but here's what you follow. He says, pursue righteousness. What does that mean? We, we think of righteousness as, look, I'm better than you, right? That's kind of what we think. It, at its heart, righteous means that you're right with God. Pursue being right with God. If right now, we're not going to do this, just saying. But if right now, we sat down and need to confess and ask forgiveness for every unconfessed sin, how long would it take you? Don't answer out loud. This idea of righteousness means that we stay current with God. Whenever, whenever we sin, we confess and repent. And we stay right with God. Pursue righteousness, he says. Pursue godliness. Well, that goes right along with that. We become more like him as we seek him, don't we? We become more like him as we get into his word and let his word change us. Be godly. And you're like, well, I try. Yeah, here's the thing. As you pursue righteousness, being right with him, he changes your heart. So being godly isn't putting on anything outside. It's letting God do something on the inside. Letting him change you. 
goes along with the confession and the repentance and, and staying current with God. Pursue faith. That's always a hard one, isn't it? You just need to have more faith. You ever, you ever heard that? Need to believe more. You know, we try to do that. How do you, how do you grow in your faith? Trust God with what you got. That's the only way I know. One of these days, I'm going to think about starting to work out again. <laughs> and if I ever do, I can't go there and just put a bunch of weight on. I'm probably going to have to start with a bar at this point. You know, how do you get stronger? You just start where you are. How do you grow in your faith? You just trust with what you got. So God, I just trust you with this. What does God do? He proves himself faithful. And then you're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. People who have great faith didn't start there. People who trust God just like it's nothing, they didn't start there. Even Abraham, I mean, it, you know, we, we like picking up with the story. This is always fun. Uh, you know, I, I tell men, you should try this. Try this with your wife. Go home and say, honey, we're moving. Actually, it's better if you go rent the biggest U-Haul you can. Don't get U-Haul. Um, the biggest we broke down in the U-Haul trying to get here it took us three days. It should have taken us ten hours. Anyways, Get a, get a Penske, they're pretty new, a writer. But, but go get the biggest one you can, drive up in front of your house and say, honey, we're moving. When she says, where? Say, I don't know. God just said we're moving. But he didn't say where? He said go that way. <laughs> How far? I don't know. He said he'll tell us when we get there. Does that take big faith? Bet it does. That's not where Abraham started. He started way back just trusting God with what he had. You want to grow in your faith, just trust God with what you have. That's one of the things that you can test God with. You just trust him and watch him be faithful. You trust him a little bit more and watch him be faithful. You trust him a little bit more and watch him be faithful. Pursue faith. Faith is trusting God. Pursue trusting God. Make that one of the things that you say, you know what, today, God, I'm going to trust you. Show me an area I can trust you in, maybe that I haven't. Some of you are like, no, because what if it's something I don't want it? Pursue love. We're not talking about the heart-popping kind of stuff. That's feelings. What if you got up tomorrow and you said, God, show me somebody to love today. Show me somebody to love today. And he will, and you got to watch. And then you, you, love is always demonstrated. You know this, right? God so loved the world, he gave. God demonstrates his love and that he, even while we were sinners, Christ died on the cross. And, and, and demonstrate that love. Steadfastness. What does that mean? It means that you stand firm where you are. I love Job's response. You remember that? Um, what could be termed as the worst day ever for Job? 
while one messenger is still giving this horrible news, the other one's waiting at the door. It would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. I just love Job's response. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? This is after he was afflicted physically. Job's like, even if he slays me, still I'll praise him. Don't you love that? God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. And then if you're like me, help me trust you more. <laughs> God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to trust you when things are great. I'm going to trust you when things are horrible. I'm going to trust you when I understand. I'm going to trust you when I don't. But God, no matter what, I'm standing right here with you. Steadfast. And then this one almost seems kind of thrown in, but I think Paul knew Timothy needed it. I know we need it. Gentleness. Pursue gentleness. There was an opposite of harsh. I think it would be gentle. really had to be careful by the way if you if you if you want to grow in your relationship with god black friday shopping is a good way we went to a place i won't name got a coupon for ten dollars found this amazing coat i i collect things i've got more coats than i need you can never have too many flashlights or backpacks um Cynthia's going to buy me something to hang my backpacks up so I don't have to step on them when I walk. And, and I found this coat, and it was really, man, it was cool. It was $29.99. I had $10 off. For, for $19.99, I was going to get this really good coat. It's one of those that has the, the liner you can unzip and just wear the liner if it's not, you know, like, really, really cold. I've got four of those liners already by themselves, but it was neat to have another one. And I wait through this really, really long line, And I get up there, and she says, sir, if you're paying, I'm like the next person, or I'm almost at the front of the line now. And the lady over here, if you're paying with a card, I can help you. Oh, yeah. So I step over here, and to her, she goes, okay, well, that's $59.99. Oh, hell, whoa, whoa. The sign said $29.99. It's the only sign on that rack. She goes, where? I said, right over there. I wasn't moving because I'm going to lose my place in line. She goes over and she comes back. And she says, oh, those are for the coats on the back side. Pursue gentleness. I said, well, I don't want to pay 59. I don't want that. Let me go look for something else. It might have been a little bit more tense when I said it, than that. So I go find some stuff. By the way, I've got one up there. It's this really cool. Did I mention I'm easily distracted? This really cool cup warmer, because, you know, I get here and I get busy doing stuff. My coffee's cold. And, um, so it's this cup warmer, and my Starbucks cup fits in there perfectly. Like, sits on a lip so it won't slide off. So I found that, and flashlights, because did I say you can never have too many flashlights? I got three, including batteries. It was great, right? So this is going to cost me, like, dollars and 39 cents after my ten dollar coupon and we go wait in another line behind the lady who has three transactions because anyways um and we get up there and the first thing the next teller we've been there a while now the first thing she said is oh these might not be eligible for the coupon 
It's a cup warmer and flashlights. Thankfully, they were eligible. Because my planned response was, lady, take a really good look at this face because you're never going to see it in this store again. I didn't say that. You ever thought about pursuing gentleness? God, no matter the other person's input to me, help me to be gentle in my response. You think those people working Black Friday wanted to be there? Actually, that was Brown Thursday, wasn't it? It was, they're probably wishing that they could be tripping on tryptophan. By the way, in case you don't know, tryptophan is the stuff in Turkey that makes you sleepy. So I'm told. You think those people might have been a little bit stressed with the crowds? You think the people they're dealing with might have been a little bit less than nice? I didn't see anybody get mugged, by the way. That's good. Um, but we didn't go to Walmart. Don't think that happened. But can you imagine if that lady had said that to me? Ah, these aren't eligible for this. What a gentle response would have done. I didn't get a chance to try it, thankfully, because I'm afraid what come out what might not have been gentle. So, so flee from the things that would distract, but pursue these things. Pursue right relationship with God. Pursue being godly. Pursue trust in God. Look for opportunities to trust Him. Pursue love, steadfastness, gentleness. And then finally, here's the one where we want to go to. Are you ready? I can't do it right now. So we flee, we follow, and we fight. Some of you are going, yeah, the part I've been waiting on. Not that kind of fight. Here's what he says, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What's he saying? Timothy, you have a particular calling. God, here's the idea that I, I get because I know it's kind of what God did with me. God has grabbed hold of you for a purpose. Timothy, fulfill that purpose. Be about that purpose. And, and I love what, what Paul tells Timothy. This will skip ahead like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Paul reminds him in this next letter, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. You know, hey, look, when, when a soldier's going to war, he doesn't go take the dog to go potty. Right? Can you just see the guys coming at him? Oh, hold on a minute. I got to go walk the dog, you know. When a soldier's in war, he doesn't empty the litter box. Does he? No. Listen, when you're at war, everything is about the battle, isn't it? You don't say, oh, yeah, you know, I got to go get my license tag renewed, you know. Paul says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. I like the way the New American Standard says it. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. 
Now, we know we have to deal with that, but don't, don't get entangled in that. Paul says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life. Listen, this life is temporary. This is not what it's all about. Don't forget why you're here. Get engaged in the battle. Take care of what you need to take care of, but don't forget this is the one thing. Don't ever forget that. Let me ask you two questions and we'll close. Actually, it's a pastor thing. Each question has two questions. Are you ready? Or each question has another. What's your purpose? If someone were to ask you, if they were to catch you as we walk out of here and they say, oh, I don't catch this Christian person. What's your purpose? What would you tell them? I know what I read in the Mountain Monthly years ago and it was really sad. This guy was talking about purpose in life and he said it's to survive and thrive. I don't know about you, but I'm not in the treading water. <laughs> you know, especially when it's like a right here. <laughs> We're not about just existing. But if someone were to ask you, what's your purpose? What would you tell them? Now let me ask you. If someone observed your life, would they be able to tell what the purpose is that you told them? Would they be able to see it in your life? Because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. Larry Burkett, I've said this before, he said, I, I can tell people, I can barometers of their spiritual life, give me their checkbook and their calendar. Their stuff and their time. Well, let me know, Jesus said it, where your treasure is, there's your heart. What's your purpose? The second one is, who are you serving? And then the second question is just like the other one. If they were to observe your life, whom, I'll be grammatically correct, but they say that you're serving. Could they tell by your life? That's it. Just want to make you depressed and I'm going to let you go home. <laughs> Here's the cool thing. If either or both of those answers wasn't what you wanted, you can take care of that right now. <laughs> you can say, you know what, God? Help me to be about your purpose for me. Help me to be an instrument of you to be able to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And some of you are like, I don't want to go door to door. Don't worry about like how that plays out. Because if you never like commit to it, you're not going to do it anyways. Just say, God, Help me to be about your purpose. I want to lead people to faith in Christ. Help me do that. And I know, I know, you're saying, I don't have the gift of evangelism. No, but you have the command to go and share the gospel. God will take care of the rest. And the other one you may be saying, you know, if I were to be really honest about who I'm serving, a lot of times it's not Jesus. You take care of that. You say, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. You're the king of kings. 
and the Lord of lords. And I don't want to serve anybody but you. Today, I just bow. I surrender to you. You take care of it today. Now, I wish I could tell you that you only ever have to do either of those once. And it's done. But it's not. But if you don't start today, you're probably not going to do it tomorrow. You start right now. And then you get up tomorrow and you say the same thing. You say, God, help me. Help me to be about your purpose for me. Help me to be about telling people about Jesus. Jesus, today I just surrender to you. I want to serve you today. Let's pray and I just want to give you some time to spend some time with God. What's your purpose? And who are you serving? Lord, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love us way beyond what we could ever imagine. I thank you that you love us regardless of where we are or what we do. God, because you love us the way that you do, Lord, you want to change us. You want us to be in the image of Jesus. So, Father, today we come before you. And, God, we we just confess. Sometimes we just get entangled in the stuff of life. And we don't, we don't mean to. We don't realize it a lot of times. But, but if we're honest, we just would have to tell you and confess to you that sometimes we're just doing stuff in this life and we're not doing what you've called us to do. For some, it's been a long time since being able to tell somebody about Jesus. God, we just confess it to you. God, we ask that you just help us to be about the purpose that you've called us for. And then Jesus, we'd have to also confess that we don't serve you all the time. Sometimes we serve ourselves. Sometimes we find ourselves serving other things. and We just want to today just surrender to your Lordship, Jesus. We want you to be the boss. We want you to call the shots. We want you to be in charge of our lives. And God, as we confess this to you, as we ask you to work and, and move in our hearts and lives, Lord, we know that tomorrow, for some of us, in an hour, God, we're going to have to look, we'll we'll be presented with opportunities to let you be Lord. We'll be presented with opportunities to be about the purpose that you've called us to. And help us, Lord, in those moments to be faithful. God, do the work in our hearts that only you can do. Change us. Lord, we... We trust you. Help us to trust you more. God, we ask that you would use us in ways, God, that that would make your name great. Use us in in ways, Lord, that, that would draw people to faith in Jesus Christ. Not for us, not for the sake of, of this body, this group of people. God, for your sake the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.